Okay. Greetings, Commander, and welcome to episode 305 of Live Radio, the show that likes to talk about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, Commander Phoenix Sophia, Chief Archivist of Live Station, and joining me in the Orange Sidewinder Bar for this episode, we have uh, our Head of Health and Safety at... Oh, he's not here. We just have our, our um, Inhuman Resources Director, Commander Shan. Hello. Yes, I was going to say Ben is still in the um, institution. Yeah. Yeah, he's locked in, thankfully. <laughs> we also have our Deputy Trade Attaché, Commander Souverain, who's who's hiding uh, and will be joining us shortly. No, I, I'm, I'm here. I, uh, I unmuted myself briefly to say what up, uh, and then I'll mute myself. We have our guest trader, Mac Winston. Hello. Hello. Uh, and of course, our, um, we have uh, Commander Ventura, that's uh, Norman, on tech for this evening. Uh, thank you very much. Um, I don't think we're doing any hanging around in-game, uh, are we? Well, I'm going to head out to Lave in my Cobra Mark III once I pick it up. You, you, you fought Mark III? Cobra. My Cobra. Mark III. Cobra. Mark Co- Cobra. Cobra. Or a co-bearer. co-bearer. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, yes. That's... So we've got something going on. Uh, so if you want to join us outside Live Station, then um, uh, Mac will be there at some point. If you can't get to us in game, you can join our Twitch chat channel, which you can access through laveradio.com slash live. Click on the live chat. And on Twitch TV slash Live radio. Now, uh, we will quickly, and I mean quickly, go around the crew, see what they've been up to for the last week or so, or since we've actually gone off air, and uh, then we'll crack on with today's news. So, uh, Shan. Oh, I have been on holiday last week. I went on a tour of most of England, it seemed. Um, I did about 1,423 miles in a week. So it was great. We started off home, uh, drove down to Portsmouth on the Friday, stayed over in Portsmouth, and then drove along the Jurassic Coast. That's from Portsmouth, Lulworth Cove, and all the way along there. And uh, spent the following night in Exeter, and then went from Exeter to Bodmin, um, across Dartmoor, and had some wonderful walks on Dartmoor. Um, fantastic part of the country. And of course, this is when we actually had loads of sun, so it's fantastic. Uh, from Bodmin, then down to the uh, UK equivalent of Beagle Point, which is Land's End, and then from Land's End up into Yorkshire and through Yorkshire and then home again. So I've had quite a good, I've had quite a good trip and thoroughly enjoyed it. I think, I think I drove um, about a thousand miles and the car drove six hundred. So it was really good. Nice one. Just driving around the country, showing off the Tesla. Well, not really, because a lot of it was on um, was on either B roads or, or, or motorway. But it was really good. I think it cost me fifty three pounds in electric, so sixteen hundred miles for fifty three quid, which I didn't think was too bad actually. That's <laughs> ah, okay for some. Uh, Mac, how have you been? Ah, pretty good, really. And last week, I've probably done. A couple of things that no one else listening or here have done in the last couple of weeks. Firstly, um, on the hottest day of the year here, mm-hmm. um, 
I drove a steam train for about 50 miles. 50 so, miles? About oh. 50 miles, yeah. So I went up and down the Isle of Man steam railway two times, up and down to Castletown from Port Erin a couple of times. So yeah, yeah it's learning to, drive, learning to drive a steam train. Did you chase after it on your horse, like in the Westerns, and jump on the train? No, we did chase a cat, though. Um, we, were, we were rounding the corner into Castletown, and we are just about to... Just about to uh, just rub the brakes for because we thought the uh, signal might still be at danger, and then a cat came out the hedgerow and bounded along in front of. I've never seen a cat running so fast, but then again, it was being chased by uh, Manx Northern Railway Number Four Caledonia at the time, which was making a lot of hissing noises as steam engines want to do. I'm not certain yeah, in cat, but I would have thought that trains classify as predators. Probably yes. Yes, but yeah, um, it was yeah, it, it, it was a lot of fun. Uh, but it was standing next to a big fire on the hottest day of the year, which was uh, which it was it was it was quite warm in overalls, of course, as well. So it was it was um, it was a severely warm day. But yeah, it was quite good fun. The second thing was uh, today, which you've probably never done. Now we went to the because uh, I've had a couple of weeks off, so we, we went up to the uh, wildlife park. So we've we've actually never done that um and it was a very nice day out uh but i was attacked by a pelican i was chased by a pelican more exactly is my wife was attacked by the pelican first and then then it chased me so anyway i started running away because uh, it's, it's got a they're big they're, they are very large birds and uh, eventually I, well, I, like the coward I am, I hid behind my wife and it sort of stopped chasing me. <laughs> so that was my other thing I've done that probably nobody else here has done in the last week. The other well, thing not I, in the last week anyway. Yeah. The, the other thing I was, I was looking to buy a new multimeter, so I was on the Farnell site, had a few components to pick up. And today I learned you can spend over £10,000 on a multimeter, which kind of blew my mind. That's a lot of work. money for a multimeter. For work or for yourself? No, I no, it's, it's for myself. And no, I did. I am not spending ten thousand pounds on a multimeter. That's more. I can safely say that is more multimeter than I could ever possibly need. Wow. My, but I my, bet it's a really good multimeter. It, it is a really good one. It's got like a. It, it's a very sensitive instrument and. Um, uh, but yeah, it's it's that is slightly more multimeter than I would. So what I'm need. curious now. So what does this ten thousand pounds multimeter do? Nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine pound multimeter doesn't do. Um, it has key sight technologies on the front. <laughs> anything so, key sight technologies was Agilent was Hewlett Packard, and anything with that label on the front. Is basic. It's like fluke multimeters. The handhelds. If you if you're on a handheld multimeter, you buy anything with fluke on the front. It's about three times more expensive. I mean, they're very good multimeters, but they 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 don't come cheap. <laughs> my my most expensive instrument is a is a spectrum analyzer, um, uh, which which was fairly. But that that was not that was not even that anywhere near that expensive. So um, yeah. I, I was just absolutely blown away that you can spend ten grand on a multimeter. <laughs> <laughs> ah, wow! Uh, yeah, that's 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 something I mean, that I've never thought of your, about before. It wasn't one of your little handheld ones. This was like a pro, this was a bench multimeter. But even so, I mean, uh, 
that, that's that's a lot of money. <laughs> um, well, we'll just say thanks, uh, hello to the the two guys that uh, just uh, subscribed to us on Twitch. Uh, sorry, it's just disappeared so quickly. I wasn't able to catch them in time. Um, and uh, let's see, uh, Severina, are you with us yet? I am. Uh, yes, and I will be very, very brief. Um, out of game, I have not yet sold a house. I have not yet bought a house. Um, we've had one viewing, um, uh, but it's becoming increasingly clear that I need to sell a flat before I can buy something, um, which sounds intuitive when you uh, when you put it like that. But uh, but me a month ago really thought that I was a, a serious player in the real estate market with my uh, with my no flats sold and um, and therefore no money. Um, but uh, but we are learning things. We are learning. Um, in game, I have been. Uh, I've been. We're doing something really smart. We are. Um, I won't. I won't go into the detail until uh, until it's done. Um, but we're we're doing fun BGS things, um, and uh, it's been it's been really fun. So most of what I've been doing for the last few days has been smuggling truly frightening quantities of tobacco into a surface port, um, and our our philosophy is. Um, and we're smuggling it because it's a federal corporate starport, so they've they've banned tobacco because they are joyless. Um, and our philosophy is that if we can't uh, if we can't force their influence down um, through uh, through the normal means, we'll just get them all addicted to cigarettes, um, and then lung cancer will do the job for us. That sounds very <laughs> British colonial, doesn't it? Almost shades of the. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it's very Hong Kong, isn't it? We've that been sounds uh, like something the EIC would do, to be honest. I've, I've been smuggling hundreds and hundreds of tons of tobacco into this surface port every day. It's frightening. Um, in a Type 9 as well. I didn't think you could smuggle in a Type 9, but sure. But if you are generous, liberal application of heat sinks, uh, and you can smuggle pretty much anything anywhere, in anywhere, it turns out. Oh, I didn't realise that. I thought, I thought if they still were able to spot you, even though you dropped your heat sink. Apparently not. They haven't been spotting me. This ought to be the first time and find me a million credits and then promptly let me land and sell all the tobacco anyway. Um, and uh, and then after that, I've been spamming heat sinks on the approach, and uh, and I've got away with it. They haven't they haven't uh, they haven't scammed me since then. That really is the world's worst customs and excise. Can you imagine the British HMRC doing that? You know, saying, "Oh yes, you know, yeah. we will, we'll, we'll charge you the VAT, and then you can take your smuggled narcotics through and to sell on the streets of uh, precisely." Cross, yeah, ridiculously, I did. It was. Mind you, you have had a, a rather unique experience for the first time last night, didn't you? Uh, yes, yes, I did. Yeah, that was um, so. Uh, Colin and I went um, went thug hunting last night. We went um, scout slaughtering in uh, Colin's Type Ten, and I used um, the the gunner role in multi crew for the first time. And it's really fun. It's really really fun. Um, at some point during the, wouldn't it be cool to let everybody? man the turrets from star wars discussion they decided to not let us man the turrets from star wars and what you actually get is this kind of thing sort of floating camera thing where you see the ship in front of you and 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 uh and manipulate a, and move a reticule around to shoot ships um which sounds rubbish but it is actually really good fun um and it was it was a, a quite a quite a um well-developed bit of the game that i've never ever tried i normally use multi-crew as an excuse to get into a fighter um but uh, but yeah, gunning was actually was actually super good fun. Um, I not really... actually that well des- developed because we did we did hit upon a quite a serious flaw whereby um, you can't you 
if the if the if the gunner controls a uh, the limpets, <laughs> the gunner, there's no simple way to to untarget the whatever you're shooting at and let the limpet um, repair your own ship, which cost us ninety two percent hull at one point. Yes, that that was that was about, for me. <laughs> sorry, the great thing about uh, being turreting or gunner in multi-crew is how much panic you can instill in the person piloting it by shooting at the station as they come to dock. Yep. <laughs> See what I mean? Told you he would say that. Yeah. We were discussing this last night. It was a very shan thing to do. Because um, <laughs> uh, that's why you can lock the weapons. You sort of you limit the weapons so you can't deploy them, which is <laughs> godsend. Um, the one thing that we did do, which... Um, I, I was shocked about we went after a Hydra not to actually fight it just to actually look at one um, but it came in angry and basically wiped the floor of us so I lost my T10 and, and they couldn't have 10 million credits but to tell you the truth just seeing that thing was worth it it was amazing it was really really amazing yeah so yeah there's a couple of photos of the two of us on the bridge of the T10 and I didn't realise how much of the the pink oyster cafe Sue's character looks like, to be honest, but never mind. Everybody says that he looks like a porn star. <laughs> Every single time anybody sees my commander, they always say that he looks porny. <laughs> Are you, you have a good moustache. So you went on a nature study for a hydra then, basically? Yes, yes, basically. Yeah. So you never hear David Attenborough say, oh, I went to look at a tiger yesterday and I got chased by it. It just <laughs> never happens to him. No, I, bet, I bet David Attenborough has been chased by a pelican, though. <laughs> Just hides behind his wife. <laughs> right. Okay, we'll move on from, from uh, that, now that we're all caught up. Um, now, obviously, there has been the big announcements today. Um, first of all, there was at 2 o'clock a five-minute trailer or dev diary dropped, which... Uh, quickly summarised what we've got to look forward to and then at uh, 7 o'clock tonight uh, there was an hours long stream with David, with David Braben Stephen Bedetti and um, the Darren Hill who is um, a designer is he head designer for no senior designer senior designer uh, for uh, Elite Dangerous uh, I am kind of got lost about who's a designer and who's a developer right at this moment in time but um, yes so first of all I'm just going to quickly ask everybody what were your first impressions of that um, that video at 2 o'clock who'd like to go first I thought it was very very well done I thought the music was brilliant um, I really enjoyed it I, I, I really um, I liked the uh, I thought it was a nice blend of um of marketing marketing polish and uh and quite heartfelt um opinions um and i, I particularly like the reference to fulfilling promises um it was you know a, a, it, being a being a kickstarter or early backer has sometimes felt like quite a quite a lonely uh <laughs> quite a lonely thankless thing over the last six years on occasion um and uh, and hearing the devs acknowledge that they um that they said they were going to do things and are planning on doing them is is um, was heartening. Um, but 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 broadly, um, I was absolutely blown away by the vistas. Um, as as somebody who loves the game for exploration and um, the procedural generation 
what you can find out there. See, seeing those landscapes just blew me away. Okay, um, Shan. Yeah, I was I was very impressed with the with the trailer in terms of the graphical fidelity and everything, and even the ice planets. I thought superseded mm. what we had been shown a couple of years ago. You know, when they had that big announcement, we're going to redo ice planets. Yeah, everyone went woo, and they they had actually moved on to that. Um, so yeah, I was kind of it was as a demonstration of graphical capabilities and the game engine. It was very impressive. Mac, yeah, it was absolutely beautiful. I think uh, I do a fair bit of exploring, so uh, unfortunately, won't be out before the next expedition I'm on, which is name escapes me, but it's later on this year. Um, but yeah, the um, yeah, it looked it looked absolutely gorgeous i i'm hoping there'll be at least things like some clouds and some weather effects that's possibly why they're only doing thin atmospheres first is because um adding weather and stuff adds a whole new raft of complexity to the thing so um but yeah it's the the ice planet did look absolutely fantastic um Mm -hmm. and just being able to look up into a tinted sky and seeing like the, uh, the the moon like the disc of the moon above sort of infilled with the the, the sort of scattering of, of the scattering effects of, of the atmosphere mm. yeah it looks absolutely gorgeous yeah, yeah I, I will say I, I do want to see rain sheeting up the canopy of my my Mark 3 so. <laughs> <laughs> I will say one thing my favourite piece of fan made content I saw today was and I forgive me I can't remember the person's name who did it but you see the view for the cockpit of the ship on the ice planet and someone has put an at out oh, yeah, yeah. on the ice plane <laughs> that was just spot on I love yeah that. I must admit when we then we they were doing the low pass over the uh, over the ice planet of there going I am half expecting to see atats or other snow speeders next to me it was it did look film quality it was it was absolutely um, amazing, especially considered, and especially the photograph of the SRV uh, working its way through the snow. Uh, I thought I thought that was phenomenal. We do know that Alec Turner of the Buckyball just, I think, squeed at that point and just said, "Take my money." So, um, so first of all, now obviously with the the uh, uh, this. Demo. There has also been a couple of articles that the press have released, one by Polygon and another one by uh, Twinfinite, which has given us a little bit more details about um, what else is coming. Now, uh, I think I think we'll have to come on that one in a second, but obviously the second point that happened this week was the live stream. Now, um, He's been missing for quite a while, but David Brayman did turn up on the live stream, introduced by uh, uh, Stephen Benedetti, and um, it was good to see him because it's been a long time since he's last been on Elite Dangerous. Well, I thought I thought the average um, time to produce a clone in the Carmina clone facility <laughs> was two years. He didn't look cloned to me. But how, hang on, if he if he if he looks like a clone, he's not a clone. <laughs> Ah dear. Well, the first thing that I picked up on the on one of the things he said is sort of it's the start of something new. I mean, does this mean? Does did you get the impression that this is 
going to be similar to Horizons, where you end up with one big, complete dump and rewriting of the game, and then a lot of, you know, uh, additions that come along at a later point, such, you know, like engineers, like, you know, other bits of functionality. Yes. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know. know. I don't know. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I mean, do you think these little bits of extra functionality, would you pay for them separately? Well, it depends what they are. It depends what the bits of functionality are. Well, you see, this is one of the things that they, they were discussing. Um, so far, what you, what you covered was the fact that uh, there are new land-based missions and there, you, there are new ways to interact with missions, um, which, are, which come from walking around. They, you mentioned stuff about social spaces, which, again, we haven't really had much um, clarity on what a social space is going to be. And a lot of the stuff on combat, it it kind of feels like it's not all going to be there at launch and all this stuff will be added in later. It it does sound frighteningly like a lot is not firmed up yet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if we go, are we moving oh, on, on to the? Sorry, are we moving on to the main topic, or are we discussing the live show? Because a lot of what we were talking about, I think, came from the the two articles. Yeah, true. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. So we've, we've first of all, the other things we should then cover is the fact that um, we've got the new Rimlock suit. But one of the most surprising things was the fact that they've got a kind of no man's sky like mechanic where there there will be plants and fauna or even animals we don't know that you can scan with this scanner which will contribute to a brand new elite rank of xeno scientist this is really cool this is this oh, is, oh the bison multi-tool yeah this is the thing that this is the thing that's, that i thought was most exciting i mean it's, it, i only got two facts from the live stream um and one of them two new pieces of information that we didn't have before. One is that there's going to be a new new first discovered rank for football. Um, and two is that there's going to be a new elite rank for Xenobiologist. That second, I think, is really, really cool because that is an entirely new avenue of play. Um, it's an entirely new sphere of, of activity, which we don't have yet. Um, and we've got it rudimentarily with the with the composition scanner, but this will be a lot more... This has, you know, if it's got its own ranking system, then you can assume that it will be quite an in-depth system. Um, I think this is a really exciting development. We've often talked about what the progression system is going to be in the future, you know, what happens after you get triple elite, etc. <clears throat> Do you yeah. think adding titles on, like Xeno Scientist, is the way they're going to go for progression? You know what? It, it, it depends on what the loop's going to be. You know, um, if... They might actually decide to if, if foot combat comes in, then you might have another rank which will be soldier. Mm, yeah, interesting. It's uh, I got I got a horrible feeling that, that you know we, we for new activities that they put in from now on, it does seem logical that they'll put in rankings. Yeah, it could be. Anyway, so. <sighs> Any final thoughts about the uh, other two things, uh, those two videos before we move on to our main discussion? Yeah, I just want to mention, sorry, uh, I just want to talk about the, the Dyson multi-tool for a minute. Um, okay. I, I wonder what gameplay loops they're going to be. I mean, is it going to be like plant Pokemon 
where you have to collect so many types of plant and fill your codex up, and then once the once you've caught them all, that's what the elite rank is, or is it the sheer number of samples you've met? I just wonder how, how using that multi-tool will contribute towards the rank. Well, if I mean this this particular game loop feels very No Man's Sky to me. Because obviously, when you're walking around with a multi-tool in No Man's Sky, that's exactly what you're doing. You're, you're scanning, um, you're scanning pieces of uh, fauna and animals in order to increase your uh, to to bring in credits. But it does. I think you've got a, a rank for that as well, actually, in No Man's Sky. I'll have to double check it. But it does seem that you know, um, once you scanned it once, that's it. You can't scan that particular item or that species again. I get the impression that they're proc gen as well. They're procedurally generated, mm. which means that it won't be a Pokemon catch them all thing. It's more likely to be similar to to our current exploration rank, which is scan enough, scan stuff to a value of X to get the rank. So, do you think there'll be a first scanned by bonus? So, the first person to discover Ooh. a triffage will get more credit <laughs> than the second well, person to scan a triffage. As much as I'd like that, I am thinking of the amount of data that would have to be stored in the database. For, for the exponential amount of um, fauna and animals out there per players, per, per scan, uh, that's phenomenally huge. Depends on how much stuff they put in. Yeah, but how does that actually, how does that actually store it? Well, it stores the name, because if you, if you name your plant, I don't know, Willy Plant, hmm. anyone else come, comes across it will see the name you've called, caused it, so it must store I hope they don't allow that. I really really would have the most fun ever, though, wouldn't he? Yeah, (laughs) it'd just be all ball sack stuff, wouldn't it? As I said, (laughs) Ben would have the most fun ever. (laughs) Yes, right. Well, obviously, moving on from from those two uh, announcements and and the live stream... um, Obviously, there's these two articles that were published, which went into a bit more detail about um, uh, what we can expect from uh, uh, from Odyssey. Uh, now, the first thing that I think we should say is that it does seem to be outside ships only. Uh, there is a quote saying developers are also considering allowing people to walk around their insta- inside their starships. Uh, but that feature won't be available at launch uh, for Elite Odyssey. So, I mean, do you find that disappointing? Yeah, I, I, I find it quite disappointing, especially seeing as being in a ship and the interior of a ship being a place is 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 part of the fundamental vision. You know, any when you talk about a space game, you end up talking about things like doing EVAs, cycling the airlocks, um, you know, sort of treating your treating your spaceship like a home. Um, the, that Neil Armstrong moment that they talk about is, is, fun, is fundamentally a transitional moment. It involves leaving a, a spaceship and stepping onto, stepping onto ground. All of these things, they, um, it is very difficult to do a space game convincingly without, without doing spaceship interiors ultimately. And um, my, my instinct is that they, they looked at the, the amount of hassle involved and thought, that ship interiors would be a lot of work. It would be equivalent to making an entirely entire sort of first-person shooter game in terms of 
like level assets and stuff. And they just thought, well, let's let's just do planets for now. And then now they are considering doing ship interiors. Now that the players have made it very clear that that they really want ship interiors. Um, so that's for, for me. That's why I think these articles are saying they are considering it um, because mm. they, they they didn't plan to, but don't want to don't want to face a load of player ire again, and are now thinking, okay, well maybe maybe we do need to. See, I think they missed a trick. Um, I mean, first of all, the, one of the articles mentions that we're going to have bases where we're going to go in and do missions and stuff in. So if you can do the interior of a base, it's not that much more work, surely, to do the interior of a ship. But I, I think the trick they're missing is part of that Neil Armstrong moment is to get is to suddenly walk from the familiar, i.e. the inside of your ship, yeah. to the completely alien and different and if you have an interior space that you've customized you know you've put your fluffy dice and your trumbles up and whatever like that and it's your space it makes it feel that much more momentous because you're step you're stepping from your home to something completely different and i think they missed it yeah absolutely that well i have to point out um thanks to dg wiley space hero um the burpit has uh, asked fdev about exactly that polygon quote uh and fdev replied saying they didn't actually say that to polygon so whether or not they they are considering or not considering seems to be up in the air again so yeah well, yeah That's very strange because it looks like a direct quote and it's it's attributed as well so um, Charlie Hall, who's written quite extensively about Elite Dangerous, yeah. So I, I mean, I don't know what's what's going on there. We're just going on uh, stuff back from um, other sources. So we'll just have to wait and see on that one. Um, the, I mean, obviously there is the the VR thing, uh, but people have. Uh, I don't know. I know, Sue, that you're a big VR player i mean are you going to miss vr from from this particular bit okay this is really interesting and mac and i are two uh, two useful viewpoints on this um so i played elite on um monitor until late 2018 um and that was exclusively how i played it and then i got uh, an oculus rift and never played it on on monitor again um i only now use i only now open the monitor if it is literally 35 degrees or um uh, or I, I just want to log on and check something on the BGS or something like that. For everything else, I use VR, um, and uh, it's been completely transformative. I absolutely love playing Elite in VR. It's, it's um, even just logging on for, to do a couple of jumps for half an hour a day is it's just so much fun. Um, but that uh, I've been thinking about Odyssey, and I've been thinking about what kind of game Elite is slash will be, and I've been thinking about other games. Um, and comparable games, the main ones being No Man's Sky and Star Citizen. And I actually wouldn't mind if uh, I had to give up VR and go back to using a monitor. And there are several reasons for this. One, if, if Space Legs is done properly, it will be fully integrated in all aspects of the game, which means that you'll be able to explore starports and your ship, and you will need to move around your ship in order to do various things. Um, I... I, I I do play No Man's Sky in VR occasionally. I don't like it as much as using a monitor. Um, part of that is because I've got the original Oculus Rift and it's low and it's low resolution. But fundamentally, having having a nerd helmet on your head is quite annoying. And uh, and monitors are really quite convenient and they have really good graphics. Um, and um, and I would 
slightly sacrifice the wonderful feeling of being there for the fact that Elite became a much broader kind of game. Um, and um, and I, d- I don't I don't resent the lack of VR in something like Star Citizen or and 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 No Man's Sky does offer VR and I still don't play No Man's Sky exclusively in VR so I, I would I would um, I do really love it as it is but if if Elite does does Space Legs properly I won't re- I won't be too upset to go back. Okay, uh, Mac. Yeah. Um... I would hope they backport all the planetary improvements back into Horizon so we can at least do all the piloting and SRVing still in VR but with the new with the new uh, planetary procedural generation. Um, on the other hand, it can't be beyond the wit of man to have a way of transitioning from VR to non-VR in uh, for the space legs, even if it's just even if it's just like a a stopgap measure um because uh, after all you can i mean right now playing vr there is a window on my screen if i lift the the lift the the um headset up i can start using the monitor you know so um it's yeah i i yeah sue is it's kind of right about the depth thing but the thing is uh, Without without VR, you can't really have that Neil Armstrong moment. It's just not going to happen because the the difference between VR and not VR with it, not if I just play on a flat screen, I'm just playing the game. If I've got the VR I, VR headset, I'm actually in the game, which is a completely different feeling. Um, and I can understand there's 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 challenges and and developer imperatives. And incidentally, on on the um, the whole thing with ship ship interiors, I can also understand them maybe not having them from the get go because it's it it's probably going to push back. If if they haven't if they haven't written it already, it's going to push things because you got you got to interior you got to model the interior of how many ships are we up to now? About thirty five different ship types. And what will happen is people find it cool for the first five times they get out of the chair and walk to the airlock and go out on the planet. And after that, they'll just want to, want to fade, fade to black just to save time because they've done it a couple of times and you know, now it's just getting in their way. So it's to, to do the ship interiors right and not, have, not end up with that, it's got to be done. It's got to be done. It's going to take some careful thought. Otherwise, you're doing a lot of development for things uh, a player will use about five times and then not. I mean, could you, for instance, could you imagine the salt if, so, okay, we're doing ship interiors and the station interiors, and now instead of just going to your, um, you know, going to the station services panel and picking up missions, you now, every time you want to go have a mission, you, you've got to walk 10 minutes to get to the, the missions office. Um, so you, it's got to be thought through correctly so... It doesn't just become, you know, a, a bit of a, a bit of a chore and ends up making things that used to be quick to do, you know, the sort of busy work stuff, uh, t- take a lot longer to do. Well, um, yeah, personally, I'm hoping that they've learned from watching something like X Rebirth, which did exactly that. And it, oof, yeah, Shan, you wanted to bring it yeah. back to the Neil Armstrong thing. That's right. Yeah, I'm kind of bring in what the other said about VR as well, so we can kind of complete the segue um i've been thinking about that transition moment that both sue and mac talked 
you know talked about is that I can see it being very cool for the first ten times or something, but then I'd be just pressing skip to do it. And with on the subject of VR, I'm just kind of thinking, well, even if it's his epic, you know, one small, you know, one small step for a Shan, one giant leap for Shan kind, you know, that kind of moment. I think yes, it would be epic in VR. But how many times would you want to see it in VR before you hit the skip button? Well, so, actually, this this is the thing. I I'm beginning. I don't think they'll do it as a cutscene. Um, it'd be daft to do it as a cutscene. It might be with the you basically have you do a fade to black in the pilot seat, and you appear at the hatch at the back. So you've got still got to open that hatch. And then emerge out into the planet, so you still get that moment of "I'm on another planet," not the path. wink, not the wink, but not the the kind of wink commander sort of going up and down lift things, which everybody switched off after the first ten minutes. I think I'm you're gonna... I think you're completely disregarding the the appeal of exploration for a lot of people, Shan, as well. The, you know, oh, it's a faff to be presented with an entirely new vista of an, an, an alien sky that nobody's ever seen before. Like, you know, no, because I don't. Want, that I want to get on the sur- I want to get on the surface. I don't want to be walking down steps every every time. I just want to be out on there. Um, and while I'm at it, why can't I telepresence to the planet's surface? Why do you? I need a spaceship. Oh boy. <laughs> it's like it, this is like Star Trek Two Into Darkness, where they work out, oh, we don't need starships anymore because Khan managed to teleport to or uh, transport to the Klingon homeworld. No, <laughs> you, you know what? Telepresence was only a stopgap anyway. You, you know the the whole thing about that. There is actually some wonder there when when you go explain. One thing I always really like is when we when, when we when we do our expeditions, we usually have a, a weekly meetup. And I just like getting out into the SRV and driving around the ships because you really get to feel the scale of the ships and the scale of the pla- of your surroundings because we often choose a you know a nice vista you know like say the bottom of a canyon or something and when you're f- flying in there it's it's completely different once you get out into the SRV as uh, compared to when you were actually just flying to the landing zone uh, the, the just the whole feeling of scale when you actually get out. And I suspect with the space legs thing, that's going to be even more so when you're actually walking around at three miles an hour or doing that sort of bounding gait that they did on the moon if it's a low-G world. Um, then it, it's, it's going to... You're really going to feel the scale and it, it'll be... And if, if they can get that to work with VR, even if it's a hack you have to do with a config file for those of us with iron stomachs, I think that would be, that, that could be absolutely breathtaking. And I'd just oh. do it all the time. Every, I'd, la- I'd just land on these expeditions, I'd just be landing on every interesting looking coloured atmosphere planet I could just to sort of wander around the base of my, my marvellous imperial cutter and look at the new vista. Okay, um, Suve. Okay, yeah, so there's a, there's a couple of things um, about... Uh, it's, it's mostly about um, the practicality of, uh, of moving around in, inside spaceships and, um, and less about the Neil Armstrong moment. Um, so first of all, there's this... So, so people... There's two things with two objections to, to ship interiors that people commonly cite, and I think there is 
I think there are sound counters to both, which are not which are not talked about enough. So going to first of all, Max' comment that um, uh, you could make gameplay quite frustrating by taking functions out of the station services menu and distributing them around a spaceport and making players run around to go to the individual kiosk. Um, I actually agree here. I uh, I used to be like, oh, the station services menu feels placeholder, but I've since come around to the idea that actually station services menu is quite useful. And although things like having the black market on there are a little bit immersion breaking, it is um, it does get you as back to the joy of flying with as minimum of faff as possible. Um, however, the as you know, we've just seen today that there is an entirely new ranking system being added for scannable plants. Um, for example, there is no reason that the that the biological that the xenobiology office doesn't need can't be somewhere that's in the station itself, and you've got to get out of the chair and go go and find it. There, you know, the 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 existence of uh, ship interiors and space legs does not mean that the, the station services menu has to be um, that that we have to get rid of that, and it and it doesn't mean that we have to make anything that we do now uh, more harder or less convenient. The, the the way that elite is built tends to be additive rather than rather than um, revolutionary. They don't tend to they don't tend to scrap things that are already there. They have done on occasion, but they don't tend to. For example, the mining lasers stayed in even after they over, overhauled mining. Um, there is no reason at all that the station services menu could not still exist for all the functions we currently use it for. But that anything that space legs adds. So, for example, on-foot mercenary missions, on-foot scanning missions, xenobiology, those things couldn't be distributed around the station that you've got to go and walk to. Um, I think the variety would be cool. Um, and um, so, so that, would, that should allay the comment that, oh, we don't want the game being made less convenient. Well, it wouldn't be. For anything that you currently use, it would be, it would be identical. Um, the, other, the other point that people commonly mention is um, this idea that leaving the ship will get boring um, and that walking through the ship will get boring. Um, I've never heard anybody who has played Star Citizen say that. I've never heard a single person who has played Star Citizen at all say, oh, well, leaving the ships would be boring. Um, it's, uh, there are, Elite is full of things that are routine and should be boring but aren't. Docking is not boring. Docking is something that everybody does. People still enjoy. You, you, there are ways to make it challenging and interesting. Even I, I've started docking only with flight assist off, and it's, it's challenging and fun, and I absolutely love doing it. Um, and um, I'm requesting docking. You know, you, you could dismiss that as a, as a needless nod to immersion, which adds no gameplay and is just a pain in the ass, which is completely true, but we know, but nobody resents it. We do it because it is... It, it is the kind of nod to immersion that makes sense and feels right. Um, if you play a game which does model ship interiors seamlessly, and there aren't many, but Star Citizen is a good example, um, go play that for an hour and then come back and tell me that ship interiors aren't a useful addition. It's so many things. It's it's the ship being a place. It's the sense of um, it's the sense of isolation. It's the um, uh, it's it's the the fact that you 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 know doing EVA, leaving the airlock, and seeing your ship from the outside. Um, the the transition makes the walking through your ship makes the transition meaningful, um, and um, and the ships will still just feel like avatars unless we can walk through them. They they need to be places rather than just avatars. So I think there are hard counters to the to, to the two main complaints about that people have about the implementation of ship interiors, and I don't think either of them come from. Um, uh, I think particularly the one about the the one about um, it getting boring quite quickly is. Um, it, it uh, there are many many things about elite that we don't resent that for that we could. 
Okay, well, we're going we're to leave the, the insides of the ships alone and a lot of the, the what people are considering the downsides of Odyssey, and we're going to concentrate on a lot of the positives. Now, one of the things that uh, we, we've seen, obviously, we saw the, the massive vistas and, and things like that, but the, the thing that I took away from this was the, the new spacesuit. And um, they've said this, that... The spacesuit gives you the ability to walk around on planets with very, very thin atmospheres. Uh, players will still need to rely on oxygen while out and about. There'll be just enough gas floating around to make sure you've got some extraordinary skyboxes, says art director Jonathan Batu. Uh, what was that, but one? Um, but he's, he, I mean, the idea is there is that there's enough atmosphere there to, to give you decent sunsets and give you a nice blue sky, but unfortunately, it's not enough to breathe with. So, we've got a survival mechanic here. What do you what do you think to this um, survival mechanic? It's an interesting question because in in law, the the, the law is your remlock make suit that you wear in ship can last between 5 and 25 minutes depending on the life support system. And the interesting slipper that came out of the stream was, well, it's made by Remlock, but it's it's a different suit. So I, I guess the question is, is how long do we think is the right time for you to start panicking and, and running around looking for um, whatever plant it is that gives you oxygen? Yeah, what? How long do we think is long enough for that? Because it can't be too long, because otherwise there's no point. You can just move your ship around. And if it's too short, it then doesn't leave any time for men messing about. Yeah, well, that, that's interesting. I mean, they haven't even said that um, you can extract oxygen from anything. They just said that um, that's it. You've got your spacesuit, and you're going to need your spacesuit to walk around on these planets. Well, so, if you look at the SRV, we've got we've had synthesis with the SRV for quite a long time because on a on long expedition, for instance, you will eventually you can't refuel the SRV by docking it with your ship. You have to use synthesis to refuel your SRV. And any explorer who's been on one of these marathon four month expeditions will will have done that numerous times. Um, so. I, it wouldn't surprise me if they have something, you know, you have a, a synthesis, um, something in the synthesis menu for, for more, you know, uh, the equivalent of fuel for your, your, um, your spacesuit, which yeah. I'd imagine has some kind of exoskeleton thing as well. Otherwise, you'd just be a squash pancake on a 2G world. You've also, sorry, you also got to bring in a mechanic to stop people cheesing it. Because if you die and you reappear in your SRV with a complete new set of oxygen with no penalty, you can just drive your SRV, run as far as you want, die, get back into your SRV, drive to where you died, and then just keep rinsing and repeating until you do it across the planet. I'm sure Alex Turner will think of something. <laughs> so does this mean that we're going to have a buckyball actual run across? <laughs> yes, a <death> race. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, it's it's the buckyball marathon. You you could you could you could have the uh, the Akinas six A or whatever it is. Is Akinas six A the really high G one oh. marathon? <laughs> you see, I do wonder whether or not they're actually going to allow us to land on planets which are heavier than sort of one one and a half G. They already it's, do. 
No, I mean, I don't know whether yeah. they'll let us get out of on, onto the surface. But there because is no artificial gravity in Elite, so in theory, when yeah, you be, it'd be, you'd be it'd out. real gravity, though, that's the problem. Yeah, but we've got jetpacks. Jetpacks don't stop you getting squished. Uh, <laughs> the, 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 the Remlock suit would have to be some kind of powered exoskeleton thing to support you in high G environments. Or with water inside it. Oh, I, you're talking about atmospheric pressure, not not gravity. No, no gravity. Gravity, because you, if you, if, you know, for instance, if you go to a four G world, uh, just as you are, yeah. Let's let's imagine a four G world with a breathable atmosphere, and we plonk any of us on it. You'd probably really struggle to do basic things like just stand up. Green. Um, but if if you're um, so, so if you go to Akina, whatever it is, um, which is like something like six point something G, you're going to need so that 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 suit is going to have to be a power suit for you to be able to move because otherwise yeah. you're just going to be like a puddle that true, is, yeah. is like completely stuck to the ground and that's all she wrote. But that helps your muscles. It doesn't help your heart and other place and other internal organs, does it? No. Yeah, yeah, you can, but you can. So it depends how many G's it is. Certainly, four G's. You can. You're fine. I mean, you feel heavy, but you're fine. Uh, when you uh, normal people start graying out about four and a half G's or so, but with the right suit, I mean, like fighter pilots can go up, up to about nine G without actually. Wow. Or a very few, for very have, few seconds, even because they, they because like they that. have a special suit that. Aids them in doing that. Yeah, um, which lasts about thirty seconds. It's. I mean, my, my son's done the high G stuff, but, and it's. It's. Yeah, it helps, but it, you can't walk around in it or endure it for more. It's going to be thirty three oh seven. So we'll we'll have plenty of hand wavium technology. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, this is a, this is what I mean. The, these are these uh, progenitor cells and performance enhancers. That's what they're for. That's true. Uh, yeah. I mean, this, well, this progenitor cells and performance enhancers are what stops us wasting away in zero G. We take those, our commanders take those every, that's why we all look so damn good. Well, I'm taking the whole of me <laughs> add on. Some of us, anyway. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll have to point out that um, we've discussed the high G thing before, and I do believe it deteriorated into how the heck do you go to the loo? Yeah, <laughs> in that kind I of thing. I think we should just move on from from the G thing. Um, Art director John Botwan again said in the interview that a lot of work. I don't know what it's, how it's pronounced. I think it's, I think it's Botone. Botone. But I've got but absolutely one. no idea. <laughs> just call him Botwan. Colin, from now on, you are known, Jonathan. I'm sorry about this, but you're now known as Botwan <laughs> <laughs> or Botwan. No. Um, uh, often a tangent town, town again um, it's gone, he says that um, a lot of work has gone into making every sunset feel unique uh, a new algorithm takes into account the composition of the planetary atmosphere, the colour and distance from nearby stars as well as other factors the result is a huge range of an interesting kind of feels no, when you say new algorithm, that, why does that make me think of teachers grading for some reason? <laughs> as long as I haven't written it, it should be fine. Uh, no, actually, no, my algorithm is actually spot on. It's everything else that's wrong. But um, we've seen this kind of uh, this, this kind of thing in the demo. 
I mean, I must admit, I was blown away with uh, seeing some of those um, those vistas, especially with the sunsets. I mean, um, did you? It didn't feel as if that was rendered real time, to be honest. What did you guys think of that one? Well, they did say alpha footage, didn't they? I know. So, well, does that mean it's going to be better or worse? That means it'll be very cool. That, I'm really excited by that. I think that's really cool. The fact, Sue, go. On. I was going to say, Sue, do you think we'll need to buy a new graphics card? Ah, I don't know. I don't, it depends what you want to do. If uh, if I don't need to buy a new VR headset, then I think I'll probably be all right with my 1070, um, 1070 Ti. Even um, I think um, I think the requirements will probably go up a little bit. I'd have thought. Yeah, I must admit, um, when I was looking at some of the new planet details on the way in, I was there thinking that looks fantastic. I hope my card can take it. <laughs> I do kind of miss that. Do you remember back in the mid '90s when you'd get games like Wing Commander and Doom that came out that required you to buy a new graphics card, even a new PC, just to play the game? Mm-hmm. Yes, because I, I mean, I remember when um, Wing Commander Two came out, and everybody went, "What? We've, we've got to upgrade to a three eight six? What?" <laughs> It, it was it was astonishing the amount of things that people would spend an absolute fortune just upgrading to play this one game, which when you go back and play it on GOG. But anyway, um, Jonathan has uh, continued uh, by saying that some of the highlights will be new living creatures, which will be distributed across the galaxy based on complex in-fiction rules and logic. Players will be able to locate these biologicals, animals, and plant analogs. Well, they'll be able to locate them from orbit and then land to sample their genomes. Now, this is the uh, this is the, the the Dyson sampler that we we were talking about earlier. And so then they'll be able to return to port and exchange the discoveries for cash to buy upgrades. And player names will be permanently attached to the things they find. So does that mean we're going to find the chantries everywhere? I don't think so. I think there's. I, I think the articles are judging by the burp, judging by the response to the Burpitz question. I think the article is. Um, I don't. I don't think it's necessarily their fault, but I think they've got slightly cross wires. I can't see they're letting us name any all the plants we find, and I also don't think that they're going to be animals. Um, let's think about it. The, the, the video that they showed today was the was the exploration video. And they talked about plants. It's, you know, it was all about scanning plants. You're gonna, there, there are going to be plants. These planets will have plants. No animals. No animals mentioned at all. If you, know, if you were going to tease the, a whole facet of your new update, you were going to do a video just about exploration. You, you know, if, if there were going to be things like rivers and oceans and caves and, and animals, you would have mentioned it, I think. And that's interesting because... One of the things they mentioned at the Horizon launch uh, about caves and stuff was they mm-hmm. couldn't do caves because of the way the engine worked and the way the planets were generated. So since they haven't mentioned caves since yet, do we think that we still have quite a simplistic um, generation model in place? And if, if that is so, does that mean we won't see the same sort of features that we saw in the a regional life planet reveal where you actually get wind effects and erosion and whatnot? Uh, well, we know that they're not doing um, atmospheric effects just yet because um, they've also mentioned 
that the when you actually approach one of these uh, atmospheric planets, the um, the flight model doesn't change. It doesn't take the atmosphere into account, which is something they they said they'll be looking into later. But I I, I don't know about that one. I don't think I think they've had what two and a half years to redo the engine. Surely they'll have, they'll have come up with something on that. No, I don't think that. I don't think caves will be in it. The, um, the we we've seen a lot of screenshots of planets now, and they look like simple height maps. I, I don't think there are. I don't think they they can do overhangs or caves. Yeah, it, it was today was the exploration video. If that stuff existed, they would have shown it. Unless the the you know the the only other possibility is that they're keeping some of their powder dry, and actually the caves are a huge part of it, and that they'll do a whole separate video on how cool caves are, and you know maybe other stuff. Um, but I I don't think there are clouds i don't think there is weather i don't think there is water i don't think there are oceans i don't think there are caves i don't think there are overhangs anything like that and i don't think there are animals either unless you think the animals are thargoids because we have in previous <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I, I do think there will be there will be thargoids interestingly the um the the plants did have flowers which indicates that uh, insects must exist or presumably or, or an, in, an insect analog exists but I, I that's what everyone wants. Space. <laughs> Precisely, yeah. But I think that's probably an oversight in the same way that the coffee machine in the crate is an oversight. <laughs> no, I mean, when they say player names will be permanently attached to the things they find, it means that this has been discovered by Commander Shan, not that Commander Shan renames it to whatever he wants. Oh, they could do that, yeah. I mean, they've got, they've got form with that. Uh, um, yeah, registering, registering discoveries is something that they, they quite like doing. I can see them doing that. Well... Moving on from the exploration side of things, um, the other thing that they were they mentioned was um, players should now expect to find new social spaces where they can meet and interact with each other in the first person. Now, obviously, when someone mentions social spaces in MMOs and especially um, space MMOs for some reason, you're normally talking about bars. Mm. Uh, and we've seen some um, some concept art, but I'm, I'm trying to think that they haven't really gone into much detail about so what what is a social space. It sounds like it, it sounds like a a species of MMO bullshit to me. Really, um, lots of MMOs have social. Anthem has a has a. Uh, it was remarked upon that there was no way for players to randomly show off their gear, so they tacked on an area called the launch bay, where outside of Fort Tarsus, where players could. Um, just an intermediate zone where players could hang out and show off all their cool gear. Um, mm-hmm. And the, this, this whole idea of social hubs kind of smacks a bit of that sort of unnecessary MMO bullshit that Elite doesn't really need. Although we already have very social hubs in places like Shinrata Desert or Dekiat or, or any other number of systems. Like I, my, my hope is that these social hubs will be places that we can explore in those stations. Like if, you could, if the social hub was Collins Bar in Shinrata Desert and you had to get out of your ship and go to an elevator and, and actually go there and then see all the players there, that would be awesome. Bang up for that. What what I don't want is random, fake feeling planetary surface settlements that exist for no other reason than for for pilots to get together and for the stations to still be static hollow assets spinning in space. If that makes sense. Mm, yeah, it, it it kind of does. I mean, No Man's Sky. I mean, the the one problem that we do have is that everybody is very very far spread out. Now, No Man's Sky get round this by um, by having the the central hub where everybody can meet up. You know, this extra dimensional globe thing that's that, that um, acts as a community hub. 
Uh, can you just see his old telepresence into a local bar or something like that? Well, I, I'm not sure how they're going to do it, but I, I would take a slight issue with what Suzerain said about uh, it being MMO bullshit because there are an awful lot of players for them that social side is the game. Yeah, that's and true. and they spend hours and hours and hours getting the shiniest gear or paying for whatever cosmetics just so they can walk into a bar and everyone go, ooh, look at the legendary widget you've got. It's a big part of the game for them. And what I would say is that if that is the, one of the routes Frontier want to take, they're going to need to add an awful lot more to the game to make that as flexible as possible. And I mean things like actually getting your character to doing emotes, even like disco dancing or whatever you want to do. And also a, a decent chat system that allows you to actually treat the game as if it has a chat system rather than someone talking into a microphone. So there's going to need to be a lot of changes to get that to work. If it's just people turning up to a bar, standing completely static, not doing anything, and just chatting with the existing chat system, I think an awful lot of people will get disappointed and will stop. What, what you're needing is you're basically you're wanting a, a dance groovy mode for your avatar then. A second, so. second life in space. <laughs> I, I, I hope not, but I just have I just had some friends who played other games, and for them, this social scene, they almost didn't care about the gameplay, being able to meet in game and chat and do what you know interact. That was what they played the game for, and there doesn't yeah. tend to be a halfway house with that. It's I, either- I know it. I know exactly what you mean because I've seen it in Matrix Online. I've seen it in uh, in Soto. There are people that that just actually just meet up. And they don't go anywhere. They, they just they meet up in a, in a, a virtual bar. Uh, in Soto's case, it's mostly the fleet, um, the fleet area, and they, they're just chilling, chatting out, just getting their avatars to do stupid things. <laughs> but that's how they get. That's how they add to the lore and the story for their characters in the game by meeting out, and they tell. Yeah, I went out with Commander Phoenix Sapphire and we fought Bargoids until we ran out of ammunition and we saw a Hydra and ran away, barely escaped. That That sort of chat brings the game to life for them, especially when there's no such thing as Galnet to help them do it. Mm. A bit like a, it's kind of a face-to-face version of Boran A2. I guess so, yeah. Suverine quick. Uh, yeah, I was just typing, typing dots, folks, meaning my dots. Pay attention to my dots. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, I just had. You did. Hey, Colin, you were exemplary, sorry. Um, so, um, yeah, so I don't mean to disparage the social scene of MMOs. I, I've been, I, was, I played the, um, a beta of New World, the Amazon MMO, and I'm really excited by that. Um, and, um, and it is noticeable that most MMO games that identify as MMOs routinely ship with a full suite of emotes. Um, a, a working filterable chat uh, thing um, and window box thing and um, and a big and extensive and comprehensive um, cosmetic offering for avatars as well as um, visible uh, progression that you can see on your character. Uh, Elite is noticeable for not doing that. And if Elite have if, if Elite have um, have anybody worth their salt in um, in the business side of things or the marketing department? They will they will be very aware that designing outfits for avatars and 
selling things like emotes is uh, is good practice. They, they they don't seem to shy away from the MMO label. I'd be amazed if they didn't think. Do you know what? We probably ought to we probably ought to make sure that players can express themselves and and um, and personalize their avatars and stuff. And I don't. And by extension, I don't mind social hubs at all. And, and as a concept, I think that I think I agree that the game can feel a bit lonely. And I and I agree that actually places that bring players together are probably necessary. My my point is that the game already has brilliant assets that should be used as social hubs um you know a, a starport is a place where you dock your spaceship you know where else are you going to meet other players if not a starport um i i'm slightly annoyed by the idea by, by the by the Im- implication that they're going to be adding new assets that we that we don't need um that won't add meaning to the assets we already have because it, i don't think it makes sense in fiction for them not to be on starports if that makes sense yep I think I can go along with the suit. Uh, I think the starport is a completely logical place to have it. And as you say, Shinrata and wherever would be the best place to do that. So maybe the compromise they're thinking of is you will have your space bar in a station rather than your own private bar in your anaconda, for example. Particularly since they're talking about being able to land the bases and going in to collect missions and stuff. Mm. It would be a shame for them to have a special space bars on a base and not special space bars on a station because effectively they're, they're the same thing. Precisely. Yeah. Right, well, what we're going to do, um, we've, we've still got a, a quite a bit to talk about, but I think we'll take a quick break uh, with a couple of... Uh, a couple of adverts and we'll come back with uh, some further discussion uh, on the on Odyssey or what we know about it so far Hello Hello love Do you come here often? Every one and a half hours or so Could I buy you a drink? Ooh exciting So you're a Hutton trucker are you? That I am my love A Centauri Mega Gin Sling please bartender Make that too, please, bartender. Centauri Mega Gin. Guaranteed to erase your memory when you've just pulled a large load. Space can be lonely. But sometimes, that's just what you want. Choose your holiday. The gas giants of Alioth. Partying the night away in your Philon Aquila. Or even go back and find your ancestors on Earth. The Rockfall Corporation makes your holiday special. And will let nothing disturb you. Hey, buddy, why the long face? Exploring is boring. What? What makes you say so? Because I have to scoop for fuel at every single store. And then the voices I hear in the store tell me to... Whoa, sounds like you've got a case of space madness. What you really need is really big gas tank. What? With a really big gas tank, you'll be sailing the Milky Way in style and comfort. No more hanging out at every stupid store just to refuel. It's as easy as honk and go. Gotta get to Beagle Point for a romantic interlude? Just honk and go. Wanna be the buckiest ball in the galaxy? Just honk and go. 
And if you fill your really big gas tank with patented Jumbo Neil 5000, you can honk and go, go, go! Gee, thanks, mister! No, thank you. Really big gas tank. Because why wait when you can honk and go? Jumbo Neil 5000 has been known to cause extra arm growth, outdoor mayonnaise, tripism, and spontaneous targle face. He's only a drug. Right, well, welcome back. Um, before we continue, there was one little anomaly that I thought was quite uh, striking. Um, they have said that the um, Elite Dangerous Odyssey will be coming to PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Windows PC, but it will not be coming to the next gen of PlayStation 5 or whatever the next Xbox is called. Is it Xbox X? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... I. Does that strike anything as odd? I mean, will the PlayStation 5 and Xbox X be backward compatible with 4 and 1? I don't think we know, do we? I've got no idea, I'm afraid. Mm. But it is interesting, isn't it? Because you would think that the PS5 and the Xbox X are going to be the flagship consoles going forward for the next few years. And it does make you wonder graphically about how different Odyssey is going to be compared to what the PS4 can do and Xbox One can do now. I, it's a very strange decision because, because, because we know development kits are out there and being used. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know why they wouldn't do that. Maybe they're waiting to see if everyone's overjoyed with Odyssey before spending the development time on it. Uh, or I, I just don't, I don't understand why they're not developing it for a flagship console that's out, I believe, this year for an early release product next year, that would surely ride on the wave of those flagship console releases. Yeah, I mean, I must admit, that took me by surprise. I think the only reason I can think of is that they don't have the the people up to speed on the Xbox S and the PlayStation 5 yet. Because every time you go through one of these iterations, it takes a while to code up to what the... the, um, the console can do. And it, does front, it does the frontier, aren't Jeff Minter in his bedroom? They're about 500 people. They're the biggest independent games company in the UK. So if, if they haven't got the people, then I'm sort of being a bit cheeky here, but why not? Well, I've got no, I've not, I've got no comeback to that one because I'm not in frontier with, with no explanation. No, no, I'm just, I'm just wondering. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, the same as you. It, it does seem like a very odd thing to say or odd thing to do. So, yep, <laughs> that's that's one of the reasons why I asked. I thought that's a bit weird. So, um, going back to the live stream, uh, you guys wanted to, to to discuss how the live stream felt for you. Uh, Shan, do you want to take start taking? Yeah, this? It, it was it was quite strange to see. Because uh, Stephen was obviously reading the live chat because in the end, you know, he was commenting on people and we got a shout out. So thank you, Stephen. So he was obviously reading the live chat. Um, but the pre-recorded bit, I don't know, he sort of felt as though people, were, the developers were being kept at arm's length from the community by having it pre-recorded, almost as if they were uh, afraid of whatever questions were going to be said in the chat and whatever. I don't know, maybe it's just my, my paranoia, but it just feel very, it almost felt like we were at kindergarten and they were teachers for keeping us away from the uh, sharp scissors. I mean, that is the purpose of community managers. 
community management as a discipline is the uh, is the necessary and valuable um, separation of devs and their customers. Yes, the, the adult supervision, in other words. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's not been like frontier before, though. That's the, that was the difference, I think. No, I'm not. I'm not convinced that the that the David Braben and um, Darren or Deris, whatever his name was, bits were pre-recorded. I think they were live. No, they were pre-recorded. The lighting was very different. Yeah, in both cases, they were were pre-recorded and slotted in. Are you you absolutely sure about that? Um, Yes. I didn't see a a scene change from when Stephen was talking to us to when he was talking to them. Stephen was live, but it was daylight in David Braben's office. He was talking to them. They were having a conversation. (laughs) Are you saying that David's responses were were pre-recorded, but Stephen's questions were not? And I looked out of the window during and to check the lighting, and the, and it was uh, it was late afternoon daylight. It's 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 the middle of summer here. We, we, it is still sunny. It, it, David Braben's off, the, the the sun on the wall of David Braben's office looked like it did in my flat. I, I don't think they were pre-recorded. I think they were both live. I still would have been told it was pre-recorded. Happy to be proven wrong, but it, I, it didn't strike me that way. And I, um, Normally, these things are, are fairly obvious. Um, to, to your question, though, I did, I did feel that the, the whole thing was a bit surreal. I felt it was a bit surreal on two counts. Um, one, we are very used to every single live stream having hundreds of people saying space legs when. That's been happening for six years. And, <laughs> and, and, Ed, and Ed Lewis used to say at the beginning of every one, right, guys, we don't have any news about space legs. Um, but he, he would address it face on. And... Um, uh, so it wasn't an, a weird, awkward elephant in the room. I it was really weird and noticeable how many people said ship interiors went. What are we getting ship interiors? What's the transition going to be to to from in ship to on foot? You know, it was hundreds, and not only did, was there no addressing of it, but there was there there was you know at one point there was this really weird there was this really surreal moment where um, there's two surreal moments where. A moderate, first of all, a moderator said, do you have any questions? And then tens of people piled in saying, um, are we going to be able to walk around our ships? And obviously, <laughs> whoever the moderator was just struck that question off their list. Um, and then Stephen, there's this amazingly surreal moment where Stephen was reading the questions saying, like, okay, what questions do you guys have? And like, he must have just gone very specifically blind because <laughs> he just completely ignored them all. It, it, the, the lack of addressing that amazed me and then especially given that the context was a discovery discovery scanner episode about a a, essentially a bare bones press release um discovery scanners normally engages with a toothsome interesting facet of the game and going into how it was designed you know things that have a lot behind them like the the sound design or the thargons or whatever this was basically a uh, a discovery, ostensibly a discovery scanner about what was a, what was basically a video press release. It, it, the, the whole thing amazed me. And Stephen kept saying a couple of times, like, "Oh no, this is a discovery scanner just about the uh, just about our teaser video." And I was like, "Why do you think that we want a discovery scanner about your bloody teaser? Like, look at the chat. It is obvious what people are here for. They are here to have very big questions answered about the, what the scope of this thing you're building is. They don't care about what Darren's favourite part of that of that." Um, Remlock suit is. They don't care whether he likes the knuckles or not. They want to know the big stuff. I just found the whole thing completely super bizarre. Fair enough. <laughs> well, that came out of nowhere. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I did. En- I did enjoy. It. I just, I just when they played the when they played the video for the for, for the third time, I did feel like I was having my time wasted a bit. And um, yeah, that, I mean, it must have been that was a bit 
Oh, and really? Some, yeah. And some of some of Stephen's questions are not very incisive. You know, why is why is this this update important? For example, is 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 not a particularly. It um, did seem. It did. Yeah. It did seem to be. Look at how pretty and shiny this is, and don't ask about the gameplay. Yeah. Yeah. Precisely. I just felt that I just felt the format was was very weird. I feel I feel like saying like next time they ne- next time somebody posts on the forum like by the way guys there's going to be a live stream on Thursday. I feel like saying sort of oh can we have a uh, could we could you do a um, a discovery scanner episode based on that forum post please? <laughs> you know it's it's quite memeable. I felt the whole thing was very memeable. And mm. um, well, according to. Um... Osashis in the chat room, uh, they're saying that David was pre-recorded, but Durin was live. Right, okay. So, um, yeah, I, I knew part of it was, was uh, pre-recorded, which um, I knew that Stephen wasn't, because basically as soon as you started... Yeah, I noticed that's the same thing with the questions. I just was there going, okay, they're obviously not going to talk about um, walking around your spaceships, no matter how many times you ask, and it, it, yeah, it did seem to kind of ruin the flow of it because that's all the people were, were wanting to know, and you just went. I mean, Why are you all? The problem was the problem was everybody was fo- focused on that, and it seemed that they missed all the fantastic stuff that we'd seen. Yeah, exactly. If I was a community manager, I would have the first thing I'd have done was I'd have said, "Right, we, I know you're really excited to learn a load of things, and, and I'm looking at these questions, and I know you're burning to know about how the transition's going to work, and um, and how the flight model's going to work, and whether we'll get new SRV variants and all that sort of thing." We some of those things we've got answers to all of this. We're not ready to talk about them yet. The, we're we're we're, we're going to be discussing the contents of Odyssey over the course of the next three months. And we're not going to spill the beans about everything tonight. Tonight we have. Uh, we have a tight scope and we want to deep dive on this. So, you know, you will get your answers, but let's, let's stay on track this evening. I, ju- I just felt it very weird, the studious avoidance of even addressing the question. I'll stop right in a minute. Yeah. Um, Sean? Yeah, I, I was just listening to what you guys saying. Maybe they should have, they should have had at the front. Um, this late radio, this, um, this frontier broadcast is filmed in front of a live studio audience or something like that to, to say. But, but there are a number of things that came out um, from the, the articles, the uh, Polygon and the, um, the, the twin one, that it kind of asked the question, why, that, why haven't you nailed this down yet? Um, so, so things like when they talk about the flight model, um, We've yet to finalize the details of the flight model. We are not sure in how this is going to work yet. And I'm thinking, have you spent two years making an amazingly pretty looking game and then suddenly thought, oh, we've got to do got to let them do something with it? Because some of the questions I had about them, it's just like, why why haven't you nailed this down? And if they're saving it for later, you know, in, to keeping their powder dry stuff, why didn't they say, oh, you know, we, we, we've, we'll, we'll talk about this in, up, in an upcoming dev stream where we can Precisely. go into detail of how, how your ship is going to behave in the atmosphere. But to say, we haven't sorted that out yet and stuff, I, I, I just couldn't see the logic in, in that. As I say, I'm not a professional developer, etc. So there may well be a good reason, but the things like... Well, the the only reason work, that I can think of as a dev is that as <laughs> it's like saying, um, is that the underlying technology has been reworked and that's been a lot more complicated and difficult than they originally thought. 
there's been a whole lot of things of as a developer i've said oh no that will take me a couple of days to do won't be a problem two weeks later i'm there going that was a lot more complicated than i thought sure that but is... then just but why 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 say oh we don't know yet because that yeah that baffled me that, that that's not that's not implementation that is that's game design that's that's not oh we've encountered coding that we, we we've encountered problems um, with the implementation that we weren't expecting. That is, we haven't decided what we want to go for yet. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that, 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 that is earlier that. in, the, in the, the process, to be honest. Yeah, precisely. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a developer, but surely you design and then you build. You don't build and then you design. Uh, it it, it depends on which developer is doing it. Non-developer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There, there's, an old, there's an old saying, if... If if builders built buildings like like programmers wrote programs, then the first woodpecker to come along would destroy civilization. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I mean, what else did you want to touch on on the articles, um, Shan? Uh, let me just call them up. Hold on. Uh, yeah, I mean, there was um, uh, there's uh, something, but I, I have some chat called uh, Gareth Hughes, which I haven't met. Unfortunately, said that we we had to get some end of fundamentals in place before we can look at this layer of sophistication and presentational elements on top. And the questions about gameplay details went unanswered. Uh, so the, they were specifically asking about gameplay details. This was the the interviewer, uh, and the answer was, "Well, we've got to get the fundamentals right before we can look at sophistication." Etc. And I thought gameplay elements is not sophisticated. It's the point of having the game, isn't it? So I, I don't quite know what the logic is here. Maybe it's the uh, the wording in the in the responses and the questions. I don't know. I, it just concerns me that they've spent a lot of time getting it looking fancy and are now working out what they want to do with it. And just, yeah, um, just, just I see that. That's 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 my uh, my takeaway as well. The, the idea that the flight model is is. Um, so, so Charlie Hall apparently in the Polygon article asked about the flight model, and um, and uh, principal designer Gareth Hughes said, "I know it seems like a bit a bit of a cop out, but it really isn't that they haven't decided yet. We've had to get so many of the kind of fundamentals in place before we can look at this layer of sophistication and presentational elements on top. So yeah, that that I find interesting. Flying in atmospheres, this is a flight simulator, and they're dismissing flying in atmosphere as a presentational element." I find that really, really interesting. It sounds a lot like they've spent the last three years building really pretty planets um, and um, and haven't considered the uh, the flow of how players will interact with those. I do wonder, though, if we we are seeing, I don't know, and pretty speculation, but there's been quite a lot of churn in the Elite Dangerous team. So I'm wondering whether they went down one route and other people have taken over and they've decided, actually, we like that route different. So it almost caused them to go back a few iterations to change yeah. the course of what they wanted. Again, speculation, I've got nothing to back that up. But the 2019 leak did say that base building was part of it, and the leak has been correct about literally everything else. Um, and base building is not part of uh, the Odyssey that we, that we know we're getting. Um, that, to me, says that base building was probably planned uh, and was on the roadmap in, uh, as late as last year and, then and was then scrapped. After all, it was in the uh, meta tag leak. Yeah, precisely. So, you know, that, that to me says that actually Shan is absolutely correct. They probably have had, it, it probably has a bit of, been a bit of a movable feast and they've, they've, they've actually probably not settled on some quite big questions until very late. 
on the other hand, there there are some architecture. I'm I'm sure they spent an awful. I mean, it is a complex product, and I'm sure they have spent quite a lot of time on the architectural side, you know, making the framework so all this good stuff can happen. Uh, but they haven't actually got around yet to making all the good stuff happen. That the, the new architectural elements they've stuck in will make happen. If you see what I mean. Mm, yep. Yeah. Yeah. So when they say early 2021, how early do you think is early? Do you think pre, pre April? I think they've already said uh, January. Yeah, I think it'll be. I think it'll be very soon after the new year. Um, apparently, David Braben said privately, or not privately, but in like a in. in I think it might have been to investors or something like that. But he, apparently, he said that the the delay was a matter of days rather than months. You know, they were planning for a pre Christmas Christmas release, and and apparently he. He 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 said. Yeah, and anything you say to investors absolutely has to be made in good faith. I mean, it's not a guarantee, but on the other hand, it's what they sincerely believe will. It's what they're aiming for right now. I mean, of course, other things things can crop up. um, Yeah, they can't say things that they don't believe to be true. But pre-COVID or post-COVID. This is post-COVID. This this, this is post-delay. Uh, this was post delay, so so it was after they said that they were going to be delaying until early 2021, and then somebody said, "What does that mean?" And, and what I think was a shareholder meeting or or, or something similar. And David Braben said, "Well, it, it, you know, it, 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 think of it as very early 2021. We're talking we're talking days rather than weeks." Okay. See, that's concerning because we're nearly in September, which means there's three months left of the year. I know. And, and I would be, it's worth time gone. Um, I would be expecting them to be, to be A, releasing more information and B, readying us for some degree of beta testing, et cetera, to make sure they hit, I don't know, the January deadline. The fact we've had none of that at all and the, the seemingly information they're given about some things that we consider key have not yet been decided. That That's concerning for me, unless it's going to be mid-2021, but uh, I don't know. Well, the, the, the impression that I was left with was that, um, right, we're moving it back to the first quarter, and if anybody uh, knows what it means when they say moving it back to the first quarter, they're going to give themselves enough wiggle room to yeah, the very end. Exactly. That. It, it'll be March the 31st. Yeah. I mean... I mean, I would love it to be January. Like, it, um, I've been told by certain people that it's a possibility it could be January. It could have come out before, but they didn't want to. Um, they didn't want to basically run the development staff ragged. Um, so, you know, I'd love it to be January, but when it Very comes to this work. kind of thing, yeah, the, first, the two weeks around Christmas though—that's effectively lost time because yeah, no, people are away, etc. Like that. So, if it, if it is January, there's still not a lot of time. Oh, I'm, I'm completely agreeing with you, Shan. It's just, um, it's just when they moved it back and they said it early that year, you you just got this gut feeling that yeah, they're probably going to give themselves until the end of March. That's my gut feel too. But for me, the first quarter isn't early next year. Oh, are you going on um, tax years then? I'm going if if you know if someone says oh we something is three months away, I don't go oh wow that's really soon. <laughs> Right. Um, one thing that did surprise me was in the um, in the Twinfinite uh, interview, they, they did say that um, one of the things that they were going to do was to start going to set, use the settlements a lot more. 
Now, this, these, you know, at the moment, all the settlements are used for is basically you can look at them or you can read them. Uh, and but now they're going to say that you can actually walk into them, um, trade with them, get missions from them. And does that sort of make you excited? Because you know that means there's 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 more places to to pick up your gameplay. From a BGS point of view, it potentially makes them a lot more useful because at the moment they're a bit the, the settlements. If if you play the BGS settlements, are always a bit of a liability. Because people get people get missions to blow skimmers up and things like that and all that kind of thing, or missions to do bad things to your settlements, and that of mm. course pushes your influence down. But if you can actually do useful things to boost your faction's influence, that makes them a little bit less of a liability than they currently are. Yeah, I mean, sort of, they've, they've sort of said the. These settlements, they range from fairly large industrial kind of endeavours down to small bases and on small outposts, almost like little villages in the frontiers of space. And to tell you the truth, this is, this is um, uh, something that I've been wanting for ages because if you've ever been around those settlements, they really are very well done. But you just, you've, you've only got your guns to interact them with it. It looks like, from reading this, it looks very much like the surface ports that we already have will be the social hubs, just reading the Twinfinite article. Um, uh, whereas our fixed points are the settlements and planet ports. Planet ports are ports, as you see in the game already. They are a big sort of draw for a lot of players. A lot of commerce happens there, trading. This is where you buy your new gear. It's where you'll upgrade that gear. It creates a social space where, for the first time, players will be able to get out on foot and socialize in a safe space, which is quite a novelty for Elite. It, it looks very much like we'll be using the existing planetary port assets as the as both the um, the uh, the gun and personal equipment shops and the social the the social hubs. So, are we thinking they could have like NPC traders, like in Skyrim or something like that? You know, where you can you go in, yeah, and you, yeah. you buy your bigger oxygen tanks for you know what you know or something. You know what I see happening there is that there you will not have the um, the station board there you actually have to go in and meet the people who would do the functions of the station precisely board. that yeah precisely that it's like us it's like i was talking about earlier we don't need we, we don't need to give up the convenience of the station services menu if you have just foot stuff that you need to get out of your ship to go and engage with yeah i mean for that i mean i'd probably be okay with that it's just sort of yeah i wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't be okay if all of a sudden the ship board disappeared from the station and you had to go around and talk to an NPC, that would drive me up the wall. Yeah. But if, yeah. If, 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 if you need to, if you need to get out of the ship to, if the only reason you need to get out of the ship is to engage with Odyssey content specifically, mm-hmm. then it's difficult to resent that because it's not, it's not, it's not removing anything. It's just adding stuff. Yeah. And, and they've also touched on the survival element here, sort of, uh, is something that people are playing on about the fact that you're just a man in the suit. Does your suit have enough power to get to where I'm going to go? Am I going to run out of oxygen? Am I going to get ambushed? Am I going to get lost and not be able to find my way back to my ship? Uh, considering the size of the ships that they were going on about, I thought it would be quite difficult to miss them. <laughs> Mind you... Can you imagine how devastating that would be when you just sat there, you, you stood there in your space all by yourself, and you see your anaconda come down under autopilot and then just crash? 
it's happened to people it's in SRVs. In yeah. fact, we're on a we're on a, a, the um, Orion expedition. About six people lost their ships in this canyon, and we're sitting at the bottom of of the canyon, and it started raining small parts of Anaconda, oh. including including the mission leader. He lost his ship. <laughs> they basically ran themselves into the side of the the canyon and blew up. It was it was quite spectacular. As long as you weren't one of the people who lost their ships. That's a long walk home. Yes. <laughs> no, think- someone will do it. <laughs> I, I'm just thinking that, you know, when you talk about uh, finding assets, you have like Space Pit Boy. <laughs> you know, you, you see a little scene comes up and it's your, your Pit Boy for help you finding your ship. And mm-hmm. The other thing that I that, um, springs to mind is if Odyssey is going to be a separate product, then all the assets, you know, the, stuff, the upgrades and everything that's going to happen in these space bars or things is going to have to be unique to Odyssey because otherwise, or otherwise, that gives a distinct advantage to people who have Odyssey and a disadvantage to those who have not got Odyssey. Right. So, does that mean space plants? Uh, will be the new materials or a- another currency, so to speak. Oh, right. I see, I see what you're getting at. So, because there are, um, because it's, say, for example, using Horizons as, as the example, um, you got engineers on Horizons. You didn't have, you couldn't have any access to, to that in, uh, in Base Elite and and we all know what happens if you've got an A-rated ship versus an engineered ship. Which one's going to lose? Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, to that, I think, well, I'd agree with you if you if you could specifically buy one thing that would give you an advantage. But this is a whole package. And this is the problem that I've had with people complaining that Horizons was pay to win, was that, well... Oh, it's nonsense. It's, yeah, exactly, and I, I just felt that if you, if 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 you, if it worries you that much, then you try and ignore that part of the game which which causes it. But oh, maybe I'm not making myself clear. It's it, maybe I'm just being grumpy and say, "Oh, come on, just upgrade," would you? <laughs> <laughs> it's just not pay to win. It's a stupid suggestion, Sean. Yeah, I don't know why I'll do it because it is a question that. Almost every MMO gets once they get more than a couple of expansions. Is well, how do you cater for people who I don't know buy the base game, miss out and decide not to buy Horizons but buy Odyssey and the various yeah. permutations of that? So I don't know. At some point, surely they're going to have to sell the base game and Horizons as a single game. Oh well, you see, it's funny you should mention this because I'm beginning to think that's what we're going to get. You're going to have base game players will get Horizons in for free. And to be honest, it's been, what, four years? Yeah. Four years. I mean, at that point, Horizons only goes for about £5 at the moment anyway. I think I think it's come to its end of its cycle. But if you want to access Odyssey, you have to have both Elite and Horizons. Yeah. So you can't skip Horizons out, if you see what I mean, Sean. Yeah, that's what I hope. Um, yeah. It would make it a lot simpler. 
Well, actually thinking about it, considering most of the stuff is on planets, you can't get planets with horizons anyway. That's very true, yes. Mm. But I, I, I would, I'd be very surprised if they didn't uh, if they didn't make Horizons the new base game. Well, personally, I think that Odyssey should be the base game going forward, uh, and people who have got the previous version get upgrades. But I mean. anybody buying the game from new starts with uh, with Odyssey. Okay, interesting. Yeah, all right. I mean, uh, yeah, hmm. maybe. So you- it would it would certainly save complexity when it ever comes to updates because instead of having to maintain and test three different possible configurations, you're only testing the one configuration. Well, yeah. two because you need to con- you need to accommodate people who uh, who are not upgrading to who already own the game but are not upgrading to Odyssey. Uh, they, yes. they, they've said that it's paid. Then they they will not give it for free to players who already have Horizons. Um, so you've got definitely two configurations. You've got you've got no no Odyssey. You've got Horizons no Odyssey or Horizons with Odyssey. Um, the, the 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 saving that they could make in terms of hassle would be upgrading people who don't have Horizons to have Horizons. Um, and make Horizons Plus base the new base, and then and then your option. And, and, and as as Colin says, you could you could withdraw the option to buy Elite without Odyssey, and, and new players might only have the option to buy Odyssey. They might not have the option to buy it without. But you're still going to have two. You're still going to have two cohorts. You're going to have people who have Odyssey and people who don't want to upgrade. Well, maybe what you do, you have a couple of different price points. Uh, you have if you don't have Horizons, um, the upgrade path to Odyssey. Is an extra fiber which gets you horizons as well. Yeah, I bet uh, that will happen. Yeah. So, so basically, if you have if you have horizons, I don't know, it costs you thirty quid to get to to get Odyssey. If you have if you don't have horizons, it costs you thirty five. Uh, and of course, if you have a lifetime expansion pack, you're you know you're in. So I think that would be the simplest way of doing it. But you, you have to include horizons as a minimum point i think yeah or honestly because as you say otherwise plant landings don't work yeah the the other thing is is the the reason that there's some technical differences between the base game and horizons which could now be taken away the the um the issue was with uh the the reason why the base game isn't just horizons with uh, the same planets, but you just can't actually pass the exclusion zone is because back in the day they were supporting Mac OS, which did not have uh, compute shaders and Horizons required it. So they had to maintain a quite a different configuration for the base game, um, which is no longer true because since they've since they dropped the Mac, it's a, basically everything they support now has compute compute shaders. They don't have this technical barrier to worry about so you know they can just they can just merge they can they they could actually make it a single code base so if you kind of a a bit like a lot a lot of business software is done like this you you know you buy different levels of the software and what you actually receive you receive the whole thing the code is actually there on your machine it's just some of the functionality is locked away if you don't have the appropriate level of licensing um, yeah, which not, they couldn't really do with the base and horizons because the technical because they had to support basically a, a, a they had to they had to that this is why planets look different if you fly non horizons and go around a landable planet it looks still like the game did in in version 1.0 
Whereas if you look, fly around the same planet and horizons, it looks completely different because it's got the um, yeah, it's got the, all the compute shade shader goodness in it. But what what the, without having to support that, they could simplify the code base by shipping whatever version you've got. You've actually got Odyssey installed. It's just the content is locked unless you've actually bought the license. Yeah, that's how Total War works. I Which was simplifies think- simplifies uh, maintenance of the product. Yeah. Just skipping back to the live stream a minute as it occurred to me, I was looking at the planets and stuff they were showing from space, and did anyone think Beige Plague when they were showing them? <laughs> Sorry? No, I didn't. I, I thought that was, that's a, a little unfair, to be honest. Uh, I, I just tongue-in-cheek was thinking about the Beige Plague because they were talking about how the minerals and things like that affect the the textures and the colours of the planets. And, of course, that was the root cause of the base plague. Wasn't yeah, it? because basically it turns out when you actually go out into space, that's how boring it looks. It's like getting to the moon and going, well, it's a bit grey, isn't it? Well, I think the, the beige plague was was a lot worse than that because if you if you look at the moon, it's very different if you look at, uh, say, Pluto. Oh, or, yeah. Or one of the ice planets like uh, Europa or Ganymede or whatever. But this was the base plague was was uh, was iron rich planets, wasn't it? So metal rich planets and things yeah. like that. They all tended to be to very beige, really. And I was just kind of wondering when they mentioned that again. I thought I really hope they've sorted oh, it yeah. all out again. Yeah, I, I, oh, I didn't want. I don't want to go through that again. That's that was one of the inspirations for the. Uh, the really big gas tank advert <laughs> was that you got so much beige plague you wanted to throw yourself into the sun. But yes. Um, well, I just want to draw to a final conclusion uh, with everybody. Now, I know that we've been a little bit negative about some of the things that uh, we've seen, but overall, our, I want to know whether or not people are excited for Odyssey. Um, so we'll start with Shan. Are you excited? I am, yes. I mean, I wouldn't call myself being negative. It's just my usual questioning self. You know, I see something, I think, okay, what about this and what about that? Because that's what I do in real life. I, I, I ask awkward questions. So, yes, I am excited about it. I mean, the, the graphics and the environment, the potential they showed in that trailer blew me away. And it was like, wow. Um, and I, I, I'm even looking forward to uh, what space cod pieces they had as part of the arc store and <laughs> the suits and stuff. But yeah, I, I am really excited about it. I, I think it's got an awful lot of potential on it. And yeah, I, I just want to see what they come up with in the next um, dev diary, really. Right. Okay. So it's, it's a genuine thumbs up then overall. Yeah, it is. Obviously, there's questions, but then I think everyone has questions. So, and I think having questions is a healthy uh, view to take. Okay. Severine. Uh, I think the I think it's clear that lots of quite important things are not nailed down and, and getting to the point where they probably should be, and I hope that Frontier made the right decisions. Um, but uh, but that said, I've been waiting for this for years. Um, I was really heartened by the um, by the the kind of sandboxy feel that I got from today's video. Um, I loved seeing those those skies. I loved seeing the the planets. Um, I love the 
the the idea that the that they'll be full of procedural plant life that's different on you know everyone will be different and there's an entirely new discipline to master you know xenobiologist I, th- th- these things are fantastic it's make your own sandboxy fun um the kind of the kind that elite does really well um and i uh so i, I there are yeah as shan says there are question marks over a few bits of implementation and i'll be sad if um if certain things are done or not done but uh, but the broad strokes is a very very big thumbs up from me and i really can't wait to get out there exploring excellent mac me too yeah the first expedition after it launches is i think going to be a lot of fun in fact that'll probably be the way back from whatever whatever the one the the mercury 7 explorers group i'm doing late this year will be probably the journey home will the 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 beetle will probably be out then and we'll we'll get to actually play with it but yeah the 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 actual the vistas looks really nice the lighting effects were were convincing and you know being able to see like a binary star sunset like two mountains of fire boiling away in space or however arthur dent described it to marvin the paranoid android you said because uh, this is what there's going to be a section of the community it's going to be like marvin and say mm, i've seen it it's rubbish <laughs> but i don't think so i think it'll be i think it'll be one of those things you will we'll we'll arrange meetings to happen on such such a planet when the sun's plural are setting and just to watch the spectacle yeah uh personally yeah and I'm obviously going to get that. I'm going to have to get it for all my accounts, which is probably going to cost me a lot of money. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah, like the others say, there's a couple of questions which you have and they haven't really been answered properly or you felt they've been evaded. But as far as I'm concerned, it's, it's where it's what... Actually, it's more than what I expected because we never really expected to get atmospheric planets. And, yes, this is true. This is very true. And if they've got it completely right, I know that I'm uninstalling No Man's Sky. It that, looks so much better than No Man's Sky. Exactly. It it just it. You know how um, when you watch The Martian, I take it everybody has seen the film The Martian. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah. You actually got the feeling that that's what it would be like. You'd actually be walking on the planet like Matt Damon in The Martian. And that, that is the totally feeling I want to get. Yeah, yeah. That it looks as if they've they've got that, and that makes me thumbs up. To be honest, um, so surprise. So believe it or not, from what you might have heard on the show, everybody in the crew. Yes, we're really looking forward to this, and we'll probably have more to discuss when more dev diaries come down the line, or or if there are more press releases. We will. Obviously, I mean, we've we've had to do an emergency broadcast tonight because um, uh, half the crew are away on holiday, or rather Ben is. And, uh, <laughs> uh, so, are you calling yes. Ben fat? You're calling him half the crew? <laughs> well, the sidewinder does tip over a little bit when we're all in it, doesn't it? Uh, it's a waste, waste and balance issue. <laughs> Uh, well, he's not here, and I'm quite sure that he's he's kicked my backside when, it, when I'm not around. Anyway, so um, we'll just quickly touch on a couple of uh, Community Corner newses. 
Um, we have to give some congratulations to the Loose Screws podcast, who have just reached their fiftieth episode. They're va- they're obviously two weeks away for from actually doing a year. So well done to Ty over there at the Hillbilly Redneck Radio because they've done a fantastic job. Um, and uh, we've been asked to uh, mention the Elite Range races, eight WD SRV championships. Um, we do have adverts for those, uh, and you'll be hearing them at regular intervals during um, uh, live radio from from going on. Uh, and also, <laughs> if anybody's interested, it's a, it's a little bit out of date at the moment, but um, Top Shift number 123 uh, went live a couple of days ago, which covered how not to help you power out with expansions, because basically it turns out I suck at it, so... <laughs> Um, does anybody have any final business before um, we do our, our usual shout outs? Yes, in the interests of shameless self promotion, I was interviewed by Kaizen of Elite Week uh, for last Monday's Elite Week about Sagi EIC and talking about myself. Mm-hmm. So it's. I'm sure people will like it. And Elite Week's Elite Week's great. It's, it's worth listening to. If you, if you're not come across Elite Week yet, it's it's always it's, it's always something entertaining to listen to while you fly your spaceship. <laughs> um, I mean, uh, that's actually that we're now up to four new podcasts, including us, uh, including the the Hutton Orbital Truckers. There are four other podcasts, but um, yeah. And don't forget oh. the Sagi podcast, which the, the oh, next yeah. edition will be out. Uh, the Sagi podcast is, of course, a bit different to all of these, and it'll be out early September, the next edition. Yeah. So um, I must just take a, a moment to um, to say thank you to everybody who's been listening. We've been going over our listening figures and stuff for the last uh, couple of months, and we were really surprised to see that so many of you, and we're talking thousands of you, are sticking with us uh, and uh, <laughs> and are interested to hear what the opinions of four oldish dudes in a, in a sidewinder uh, have, about the, have about the game. So thank you very much. Um, it's really appreciated. Uh, and if you could put a like and subscribe into uh, whatever you're using on iTunes or an Android, that would be appreciated even more, just so that we, we know that we're, we're, actually, um, <laughs> we're actually doing a good job. Um, but apart from that, uh, we'll also give some shout-outs here while we're, while we're at it. Um, our sister station, Hutton Orbital Radio, it broadcasts on a Thursday at 8.30 GM, uh, no, British Summertime at the moment. Uh, you can tune in at tv.forthemug.com or just if you want the audio at radio.forthemug.com. For the discerning commander that likes a bit of CQC action, check out the CQC Discord at discord.me slash CQC. Again, all one word. Um, thanks to everybody who's joined in and the Twitch chat channel and the other ga- in-game commanders that have flown by. Um, and we do believe uh, we have a fantastic another Galnet news article by the amazing Commander Wotherspoon that we'll be following up soon. But that's it for another episode of Lave Radio. 
If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can email info at Lave Radio, hit us up at facebook.com slash Lave Radio, and tweet us at Lave Radio. You can join our Discord server by going to discord.io slash Lave Radio. We also have a TeamSpeak server where commanders come to hang out and chat, which you can find at teamspeak.laveradio.com. Do get in touch if you have any questions or if there's anything you'd like us to discuss in a future episode. Uh, Live Radio is recorded live on a Tuesday evening at uh, 8.30 British Summertime and streamed out at liveradio.com slash live. So thanks to Shan, thanks to Souverine, thanks to Mac, and special thanks goes to Commander Ventura for being today's tech specialist. But until next time, Commanders, fly safe. But if you can't do that, fly dangerous. Just as a final note, um, tomorrow night at 8.30 um, uh, British Summertime, uh, Commander Stroud has done a pre-recorded uh, episode of uh, his Elite Catch-Up, which we'll be uh, putting out on the Twitch channel. So that's at laveradio.com slash uh, at Twitch TV and uh, 8.30 British Summertime. Thank you. According to uh, scientists, Uranus is full of methane gas. I think you're right, though, Colin. What have you done with Shan, and when can we have him back? Galnet News Digest, 18th of August, 3306. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news, Tritium Breakthrough Freeze Mining Shackles. High G Landing Video is fake, say unnamed experts. Gazing into the crystal ball. Tritium Breakthrough Freeze Mining Shackles. Fleet carrier owners are celebrating after a technological breakthrough, but miners remain fearful that their profession may no longer be financially viable. 
In the face of last week's threats of a class action lawsuit against them for their incompetent handling of the tritium crisis, Brewer Corporation employed top boffin and fixer Commander Dav Stott to come up with a solution. Stott investigated sending a cyborg back in time to prevent Manticore Mining from making the limpet modifications that made mining go wrong in the first place, and came to the conclusion that this could not be achieved without the risk of the galaxy jumping into an alternate timeline and then unravelling into a chaos of alternative realities. However, the lab coat-wearing dome-headed scientist came up with an alternative solution. Realising that the information contained within datamined wake exceptions can work wonders for conventional frameshift drives, he experimented with feeding the captured data into fleet carrier drives. Miraculously, the drives suddenly became capable of jumping twice as far on a tank full of tritium, instantly doubling the distance a fleet carrier can travel without refilling its repository, and halving the number of times the fleet carrier needs to be filled up. Fleet carriers can now travel around 7,500 light-years without the owner on board to refill the tritium repository. Even more excitingly, they can now jump from the bubble to Colonia and back using only between 6,000 and 11,000 tonnes of tritium for the entire journey, depending on what modules are fitted. Jumping from Colonia to Beagle Point and back will take between 12,000 and 22,000 tonnes of tritium. Given that a basic fleet carrier can carry 26,000 tonnes of the fuel, this means that from now on only fleet carriers that plan to remain away from the bubble and from Colonia for extended deep space exploration are likely to need to mine for tritium. Representatives for the Galactic Union of Mine Workers have expressed concern that these changes mean that mining is no longer needed to keep a fleet carrier operational, and that this will have a negative impact on mining as a trade. However, this is not true at all. Where previously a fleet carrier owner would have done a bit of mining for tritium, now they have to go mining for painite to earn the credits, to go to a starport, to buy the tritium. High-G landing video fake, say unnamed experts. A death-defying video showing Commander Sanderling apparently landing safely on a high-gravity world with flight assist turned off is clearly a fabrication, according to experts. The video, which was allegedly shot on the 6.7G World Action R3, shows the ship boosting towards the ground and turning at breakneck speed, yet still landing safely with no damage on two separate occasions. In a message accompanying the video, Commander Sanderling makes the claim that high G isn't hard. This is clearly incorrect, as high G landings are known to be completely impossible with flight assist turned off. Experts will be working to find out how the video was doctored. Just as soon as they've finished working out how Commander Shay Blackwood manages to fake his stage times in the Elite Racers 8-wheel drive Endurance Championship. Chassis integrity compromised. 
Welcome to the Scarab Proving Grounds. Watch your favorite racer compete for victory while they boost their SRV across the planets at speeds of well over 100 meters per second. Tune in to the 8-wheel drive endurance championship broadcast during one of the five remaining races in the championship. Check out the Elite Racer subreddit for more details and a link to their Discord. Gazing into the crystal ball. This edition of Galnet Digest went to press before the first development diary was published, but let's take a few moments to think what might have been announced. Will the announcement live up to these tantalising glimpses of an ice planet we saw in October 3303? Will we see golden sunsets through the dust of planets with atmospheres as we stand beside our ship? Will we be able to appreciate just how enormous our spaceship is? Will we have new designs of atmospheric suit to wear? Will we hear ourselves breathing through the respirators? Will we be able to have that Neil Armstrong first person ever to set foot on a planet moment? What will the terrain of these planets with thin atmosphere be like? Will we see dust plains and outcrops on rocky worlds? Will there be lanai and palimpsests on ice worlds? Will we see the plumes of cryovolcanism? Will we see mountains, canyons and ridges? Will we see volcanic seas and basins? Will there be plants? Will we have a handheld sampling tool that allows us to record our new discoveries? And will we be able to sell genetic information to universal cartographics? Will we be able to marvel at the beauty of the landscapes as we fly, drive and walk across them? And, this might be a long shot, but we can only dream. Will we get his brabenness, head of the Pilots' Federation and lover of roll-neck sweaters, to get frightfully enthusiastic about it all? We can only wait and see. And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News. We read the news so you don't have to. When you're on the potato, you see it, you're seeing things in space and vice versa. Natal. 